try that. Hello. Hello, hello. Yes. <laughs> well, we're on. How are you all doing? You know, the atmosphere is different this year to last year. Quite remarkably different. You know, something's happening, something's changing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's keep our hearts open to the Lord, eh? You know? I want to share quite a, a few things with you, but, you know, the Bible talks to us about setting our heart in things above and not on the earth. And uh, we need to do that. We need this whole time together to really set our heart and on the things of God and the things which are above. In other words, the heavenly realm. And, um, you know, the whole spirit world is stirred up at the moment. I walked into this nation, when I flew into this nation, uh, and I, I couldn't find Melinda or anybody. <laughs> so, because I missed her at the gate. So I was standing outside and I suddenly felt this, whoa, what's going on in this nation? Everything is stirred up in the spirit realm, both good and bad, you know, and there's something going down. And uh, we, we, we really need to be aware of it because, you know, the times and the seasons are very, very important. And um, we've come to a critical time in our relationship with the Lord, in our walk with the Lord, and this nation has come to a critical time in the purposes of God. And it's not business as usual. It, it is, a, you know, a critical time. And, uh, you know, this year, I've had more encounters with the Lord this year than any other year in my life. And it's because of the season we're in. And uh, things are, are changing. And it's like, you know, things have become critical. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews um, chapter 4 and verse 7, it says that God limited a certain day. In other words, he said, God limited the day, saying, Today, in David, today, after so long a time, if you hear my voice, you know, harden not your hearts. In other words, he was saying, he limited a day. There was a timing factor involved, saying, Today, listen to what the Lord is saying to us through this time period together. And because the time now is limited. We have a limited time for an adequate response before all hell breaks loose over this nation. And also heaven will come. But there's going to be a mix. But the time is limited. You know, when the children, they were talking about the children of Israel, they'd gone through the whole process of coming through the wilderness. They came to a place called 
Kadesh Barnea that could see the promised land and the spies went in and, and you know, ten of them came back um, with the wrong message. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of wrong messages out there. <laughs> ten of them came back, had the wrong message. And it died in a plague because of it. The Bible tells us that. And he says, God limited time. He said, no more. He limited the time. He said, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. We're on the brink of something great and something terrible. And so, it's the time in which we are living. He limited the day saying, today, you know, time is running out for us. And we have to be prepared for what is coming. You know, and um, I'm primarily talking about this nation at the moment, but the ramifications are in other nations around the world. And um, it's, it's a really interesting time. I felt there were a, a number of things the Lord wanted me to highlight this time when I'm with you. And um, uh, I felt that the, the, the Lord has laid a cornerstone for a new kind of church. And I'll explain that to you in a, in a moment. And, um, you know, the secondly, it is time for the Philadelphia church to come into fruition and manifestation in the earth. And those who have, who have promises of that through the years, years of promises are intersecting now with this time. Promises which have never been fulfilled in your life are intersecting now. And it is a time to take hold of them and bring them into fruition. And so it is a very important time. The time, the issue of sowing and reaping has now become critical. And I want to explain that to you, maybe tonight if we get to that. But it's important because everything is speeding up. And the process of sowing and reaping has shortened dramatically over recent times. It's, that's a scary thing, because we don't always sow the right thing, but it's coming back a lot quicker. And so there's that, and I want to talk to you probably tonight about developing a kingdom culture, a culture of heaven, a kingdom culture, you know? And uh, we are now heading up to the day of the goodness and the severity of the Lord. The two are coming now. This year they will begin. And a new level of prayer. We have to stop, move out of praying from the outer court yes. to go a little deeper in our prayer. Outer court prayers are not making it anymore. They're all about me, 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 me. Okay, we've got to pray at another level, and um, we, 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 you, you, there's a the level of intercession that needs to be targeted intercession in the church now to get the job done. And you need the prophets to speak into you the target and what God wants doing, and then there's targeted intercession that's going to bring to pass the purposes of God. So it's exciting. <laughs> In Israel, of course, what's happening in the Middle East. And um, 
Israel is slowly setting itself up, or God is setting them up for a, for a major war, the big one. There'll be some skirmishes on the way, but they're setting it up for a big one. And the ramifications of that upon the church are enormous. Okay. One other thing the Lord's going to release in this new season is the gift of faith. The gift of faith. You know, there's not a lot taught about the gift of faith. They teach you about speaking in tongues, tongues interpretation, gifts of healing. There's not a lot talking about it. The gift of faith is going to release the most incredible miracles that we've hardly dreamt of. But it'll be through the gift of faith. And so, there's a lot happening, there's a lot going down. And uh, it's important that we kind of sync with what God is saying. You know the phrase, the kingdom of God, occurs 69 times in the New Testament. So it's got to be important, right? The kingdom of God. You know, and we are told to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And though that has a geographical thought, that we are the earth. Your kingdom come. We need to pray for his kingdom to come within us, this earth. Now, your kingdom come. And that requires, that is a kingdom culture, you know? And um, the culture of heaven is very, very different to our culture on the earth. And it's different to the culture in the church. That might surprise you, but it really is. <laughs> and if we are to survive, if you, as Americans, are going to survive what is coming upon your nations in the next few years, it'll unfold, you have to start walking in a kingdom culture. That was going to be your only defense. And, uh, you know, that's different to an American culture. It's a kingdom culture. It's different to a British culture uh, or a French culture. It's a kingdom culture. And it's very different. And. Uh, the more we walk and live in the culture of heaven, the safer you will be in the days that lie ahead. There's some terrible things on the way, but you can survive it. And you can come out. You know, America is going to go through the mill. But she will, after God's done with her, rise out of the ashes like a, a new nation will arise, like the phoenix. She'll rise out of the ashes, and it'll be a different kind of nation than you have known before. The destiny of America will be fulfilled, but before that, you're going to go through some really, really difficult things. So, we have to prepare for that, you know? And preparing for it, you know, is, is, is interesting, and it's, it, it's, we need to know what's required of us. We, the more you walk in the culture of heaven, the safer you will be on the earth in the days that lie ahead. Now, this is really, really important because, you know, it's heavenly culture. You've heard me say many times, you are not of this world. This is not your homeland. As good as America might be, it's not your homeland. 
you're ambassadors from another world here. And we need to have that mentality really ingrained, you know, within us. Your culture is not of this world. It's a heavenly culture. You are not of this world. That has to become a reality to you. In order for us to understand and fit into what God has got for us, you know, in Ephesians 2.19 it says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Okay, there's lots of people in heaven, citizens, right? They are the saints. But you are of the same household, and you are of the same citizenship. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, you know, that's important. Whether you are American, Chinese, Indian, English, Australian, French, whatever. Some good things in all of your culture, but there's some demonic things in all of your culture. Okay? And, you know, some parts of culture are good. You know, I was in one part of heaven, and I came across this it was, in, it was in paradise, part of heaven, and I came across these Indians, American Indians. And I thought, wow, this, you know, great, you know. And I, I, I talked with them, and they said, come see my homes, see how. And I thought, yeah, okay, we walked along, walked a bit, and we came into this clearing, and there was these incredible teepees. Indian teepees. You know, it gives you the desire of your heart. And they were made of gold, silver. They were exhibiting light, you know. And there's some things of our culture we bring over because it gives us the desires of our heart. And, and it, they were incredible. I wouldn't mind living in one of those, you know. It was very large. It, some of them were as large as this auditorium, you know. And, you know, some things in our culture are okay, some things we have to get rid of. We have to embrace a kingdom, a kingdom culture. And, uh, you know, in Titus 2.4 it says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. You know? Well, some of you are peculiar. <laughs> Yeah. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. And then we know First Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen gener generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Hey, the people of God are a holy nation. And I'm not talking about Israel, I'm talking about the people of God are a holy nation. Now, in this earth and uh, a chosen generation another nation not British not American not French you're part of the household of God a holy nation and uh, these things are important that we we grasp them and uh, in Christ we are one nation which has a culture which is different to every nation on this planet. It's the culture of heaven. And uh, 
the word peculiar there means special or different. And uh, it's important to understand this. And you're different in many ways. Because, you know, when you came from heaven, you were a spirit, right? You came from heaven, a spirit. And that's good, a nice spirit. You know, came from heaven, <laughs> into this earth. But you were not children of God. You were the creation of God. But when you were born again, you became sons, daughters of the living God with a new DNA in your spirit. <laughs> Understand that. The DNA of God. You were born again of the seed of God. And that word seed in the Greek is the, is the English word sperma. You see, you have a different DNA. And uh, you're so you are very different to the others on this planet who are not born again. You're of the household of God, a new creation. And the culture of this world is diametrically opposed to the culture of heaven. The problem is we live on this earth and we imbibe much of the culture of this earth, which we have to get rid of. And uh, this culture is described in scripture, you know, in, in, in a number of ways that, um, well, we can have a look at some of it tonight, but in a number of ways. The culture of heaven is described, but mainly in the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, we don't hear many sermons preached on the Sermon on the Mount, do we? It's like we get into the epistles, we get into, you know, Paul's epistles, and we revel in those, John, and they're all nice and they're all good, but he, very little is taught upon the words of Jesus. The church has gotten away from the teachings of Jesus. Don't look at me like that. I'm serious. You need to get a Bible where the teachings of Jesus, uh, the words of Jesus are in red and study it for a year. It will revolutionize your whole life. You see, it's, it's this whole new culture. Your DNA has changed. And you have access to your original home. I mean, it's crazy to say, you know, you've gone on holiday into the earth and you're never in contact with heaven, your home where you came from. God has made it possible for us to have access back. Do you believe that? Yes. We all have access. You know, it's like we are ambassadors. Paul says you are ambassadors of Christ, right? Now, ambassador is sent from the home nation to another nation to represent the nation he came from, right? So, the ambassador uh, you know, particularly in olden times, they would send an ambassador to another nation, right? And so he would go there, but they had to be careful with him. He would, they would only let him go for two years before recalling them. Why? 
because they began to take the, on the culture of the nation they were sent to. And so in case they start siding with the people now, and not their own nation, they were recalled after two years. Now, you've been sent here as ambassadors to bring heaven to earth, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, you know, you need to go back home sometimes, otherwise you're going to have too much of the culture of this earth cling to you. And this is one thing that God's going to open up to you. If you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, you can't. It's as simple as that. You have access to your home and your family in heaven. Do you believe it? Yes. Not just for prophets, you know. The Bible says you can come boldly anytime you like to the throne of grace. Where is the throne of grace? It's home. And some of you have been away from home for too long. You're imbibing too much of the culture of this world. And that's the kind of thing you see that I'm talking about. We have access. You know, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil and having a high priest over the household of God. We have, let us come boldly, boldly, to the throne of grace that we might obtain and find grace and help in a time of need. Now, how do we do that? See, we've always been taught, well, it's metaphorical, you know, it's metaphorical. It's, there's a throne there and we can, we can, you know, it's there, we can come and ask God. It's not metaphorical, it's a reality. You have access to your home. My daughter was, was killed in a car accident many, many years ago. I have constant access to her if I wish. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> access. The more of the realities of heaven become real to you, the less the pull of this earth has on you. It'll start to change you. We have access. Now, the more that our mind is renewed, mind is a real problem, you know, because it's got all kinds of wrong concepts. You know, since we were a child, we've imbibed all of these false concepts from education and all kinds of stuff, right? And the mind becomes a problem. The more your mind is renewed and the purer our motive is and the cleaner our heart will determine how real that world is to us. Now that's the only hitch to the thing. You can come, but the clearer that world is to you is determined by the purity of our hearts. And, you know, 
It's important to understand this. We have access, but how real is that world to you? You know? It's like, you know, scientists talk about a parallel universe, right? Two, two existences using up the same space, you know, parallel universe. It's a bit like that. Right now, in this room, there is a parallel universe with this angel standing next to me and various other places. They are all existing in the same space, but our perception of them and how real or clear that is to us is dependent upon our heart, purity, and purity of motives, and the renewing of our mind. And in the times that lie ahead, you're going to have to have and develop access to the other realm to survive what's coming. Hallelujah. You know, there are all kinds of levels of access we have. Some of them are very a low level. You know, you can have a revelation on the scripture, right? You've accessed something from another realm. Didn't come from this world at all. When you have revelation, that came from another dimension, right? You with us? Okay. Impressions that you didn't start. You know, so it's spontaneous. You know, it's like a text message. Then you're walking along thinking about it and there's a text message. Oh, where did that come from? Yeah, it's a message from home, you know, text message. <laughs> That's what it's like. <laughs> hey, you know, I saw something in the millennium. The Lord didn't give me glimpses of the millennium. And I was with these people in the millennium. There's some saints and stuff. And suddenly, a text message came floating by. And I looked at this text message. And this person next to me said, oh, I'm needed there uh, at this other place. It was like a text message just floated by. <laughs> Seriously. And as soon as he said, I'm needed in another place, he vanished. And he was instantly there. Now, that's what I call good traveling. <laughs> Good traveling. But it's like that, you see, you get revelation and you get this spontaneous thing, you weren't thinking about it, comes through. Whoa, it's a message from home. Somebody's texting me. Didn't come from here, came from there. You had a connection, you see, with that realm. And we have to learn, you know, we're going to have to learn real quickly to move in these realms. You know, the gifts of the Spirit operate out of another realm. You know, speaking in tongues, that's accessed another realm. You've accessed it. And, and you know, dreams and, and, and visions, you know. It's like, you know, when your spirit visits heaven, that's another dimension again of our access to that realm. Remember, your spirit is the real you, right? And your spirit is not confined to time or space, okay? You know, the problem is the soul. The soul is the problem. 
because the soul always objects. That's not real. What you just heard wasn't God. That wasn't real. This is, this is just your imagination. I want to talk about imagination in a moment, by the way. Try and remember me. But, you know, that's the soul. The natural mind is the enemy of that spirit realm. It's the enemy of God. The natural mind, natural thinking. If you really believe you can, and, and it is God's purpose, and it's in God's word, and you can access that realm, then you can. If you don't believe it, you won't. You won't be able to. But let me say something. From the time of the last blood moons up to the day of atonement that's coming is a cutoff point. Something ends. And it's a, something is going down. It's like as soon as we hit the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, this coming year, curtain is drawn on many things. It's over. There's no more time for many things. Now, I've been saying this to you for the last two or three years. We're running out of time. But it, and God has delayed, out of his kindness, some things. You know, God is visiting heads of state all over the world and giving them time. God took me into Europe, into a palace, to speak to a queen one night in her bedroom. We both got a fright. <laughs> Seriously. I thought she's either gonna she's she's either gonna ask you call security or call for the ghostbusters, you know. I'm not sure And God gave me a specific word for this head of state, head of this nation what he must do and what he mustn't do. But the choice is hers. God is visiting head, people who are high up in the financial realm, giving them time to repent. Many of them. Something is happening. God is visiting people now because time is running out. And they have to make decisions because the world is going to change next year. When, once we pass Yom Kippur, things will start to escalate and change. All over the world, things will happen. It's it'll be a different world. And stuff will be released, good and bad. Um, and we need to learn to walk in the Spirit and access the Lord, walk in these realms. And we, we need to begin to do that because time is running out now. There is a definite cutoff point that's going to happen. Lots of things have been held up because God in his grace and his mercy has been good and kind and waited and waited and waited. And God's like that, you know. It says like in the days of Noah, God waited in the days of Noah before the flood came. And, you know, 
when, when Methuselah was born, remember Methuselah? With his name in the ancient language of that time means when he is dead it will come. So they saw something coming. When he is dead, it will come. And so he became the oldest man that ever lived on the planet because God kept extending his life in grace and mercy because when he is dead, the flood was going to come. And then the year he died, the flood came. That's the mercy of God. And God has been extending time with us. He's given us more time and more time and more time, but he spoke to me and he said, Neville, it's over. No more. There's no more extension of time. And he's visiting people all over the world. And in the financial sector, particularly as well. Most of them will not repent, but at least God gave them opportunity. So we have to learn to access our home base. We have to learn to keep in touch with at home because things are going to get really difficult. You know, America, I love America, I really love America. But America is going to go through the mill. You know, it's like the grinder. Once you get spat out of the other end of the grinding process, she will arise again. A totally new nation, different, altogether. But before that time, it's going to get difficult. But the glory of the Lord is going to be seen in the midst of it all. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to be seen. You know, how much you have adapted to the heavenly culture will also determine your place in the next life. See, it's not what you've done for God determines your place. It's who you are determines your place, who you become. I've, I've met people in heaven, even just recently been in heaven, where ministers there who in this life, we, many would have said there were great ministries are on the lowest plane in heaven. And that might shock you. It shocked me. Because it's not what we do for the Lord. We are just his servants. They say, it's we are servants. After you've done all this stuff for him, you're just his mere servants, he said. But... It's not what you have done for the Lord. It's how much you've become like him that determines your place in heaven and the ages to come. There's a lot of stuff going down. Oh, getting quiet in here now. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied your name, we cast out demons on your name, done many wonderful works. And he said, but I didn't know you. I gave you the gifts and you used them for your own glory and building your own kingdom. And you didn't have a relationship with me. 
and they did these mighty works and were on the lowest level in heaven. Here, hello. You want me to tell you the truth, don't you? Yes. Good. Don't stone me till I'm gone. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the hate mail I get. <laughs> you know, the more the culture of heaven we possess, or live in, the greater and clarity and access we have to that realm. See, it says, the pure in heart shall see God. You know you can go to heaven and never get to see God? People are going to say, that's a heresy. No, I didn't. The pure in heart shall see God. A lot of people get to heaven and they're not pure in heart, you know. At least most of them. I've talked to people in heaven, way in paradise, in the way in the air realms of paradise. They say, we have never seen him. We can see the glow. We can see the lights of that city, but we've never seen him. You only get one shot at this. You know? The pure in heart, the pure in heart shall see God. Pure in heart. Lord, we've done all these things in your name. He said, but you're not really like me at all. Isn't that an indictment? The whole purpose of it is for it to be conformed to his image and his likeness. This is what it's about. That's the major and primary goal. You see, culture of heaven is different. Nobody lies in heaven. It's unthinkable. Nobody gets jealous in heaven. None of those things exist there. That's the culture of heaven. That's what heaven is like, you know. It's, it's told not to love this world and the cultures of this world. Not to love it. The more this world loses its hold on you, the more you ascend into the other dimension of heaven. It's this world that anchors us down. The more we loose that anchor, the more we ascend into that realm. It's unthinkable that someone would send an ambassador somewhere without being able to connect, call back home. God's not like that. He sent us here with the ability to access his realm and walk in it. You know, you can get so immersed in this that it becomes just second nature to you to live in that, walk in it. It used to take me a long time to get into the presence of the Lord, get into this, get into this, and get, finally get there. It doesn't take me hardly a minute anymore. That's not saying that I've achieved something. I've learned some things from God. You can do it. Once the 
tool of this earth is broken and the ways of this world. Yeah, I had an interesting experience. I was taken to this place. I have an angel that comes a lot to me called Manoah. Took me ages to get his name off him, but he finally told me. It's a Hebrew name, which means peaceful or peace. And I thought, well, that's, that's nice, but boy, he's taken to me some scary places. And I needed him right next to me because he's exuding peace, see? And, <laughs> you know, Satan is trying to infiltrate this generation of young people like never before. It's an all-out, it's an all-out thing for hell. And, um, you know, many things have been hatched in hell to enslave this generation of young people. Remember the whole, a few years back, the whole Harry Potter thing? I had this Christian lady come up to me and said, you know, is it all right for my kids to go and watch the Harry Potter movies? She said, I, I think it's all right, don't you? I said, yeah, it's all right if you want to introduce your kids to witchcraft. Come on, how naive do we get, you know? The whole, that whole thing was designed in hell to, 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 to reach a generation of young people with witchcraft. That lady who wrote all that stuff calls herself a white witch. There's no such thing. That's a new age thing. They're all black. I was taken to a place just recently and I think, I don't think I was in the second heaven. I think I was on the earth in some place that was hidden. But I'm not 100% sure, okay? I was taken to this place where um, violent video games were being inaugurated there. And I thought, this is really fascinating. And there's a whole demonic industry behind this. Witches, warlocks, and thankful I was invisible. And very, standing very close to this angel. <laughs> and I said to this angel, I said, you know, what is this? He said, well, he said, this is the underworld. And I said, but why are they, why are they, there's so many violent video games? And this angel sat me down, he said, they called me my name, he said, no, I need to talk to you. This, this whole industry is backed by a whole department of demonic power. Now, it, it's important that what is in your imagination what you imagine will eventually connect you with the thing you're imagining. What you focus upon, you will connect with the spiritual power behind it. And he talked to me about this and I thought, wow, it's a real plot, you know. You see, Jesus considered imagination to be reality. 
He said, you know, you lust after a woman. Uh, look at the woman, imagine a woman to lust after her, you've committed it already in your heart. To him it was reality. So you've got this weird thing, the church has got a weird thing about imagination. Oh, it's only your imagination. Why did God give you imagination? So you could imagine. <laughs> it's one of the most powerful tools that God has given us. However, so this angel talked to me and he said, look, he said, these kids will get absorbed to a certain point in these violent video games that something opens up within them and the spirit enters them. And I actually saw it happening. The same thing he said, now look at this, and the scene changed. And there were, you know, sometimes the package, um, video games in a package, sometimes they're loaded down from the net. With every package that came, there was a spirit attached to it. Waiting for that moment of a level of absorbed into it that opened them up to it. You be careful what you let your kids watch. There's a whole demonic industry behind that. And the thing is, and this is what this angel told me, he said, if you have anger, violence, anger, in your heart. And, and he said, that's, yeah, you haven't dealt with this and you have anger or violence or one of those things. He said, in the riots that are coming and the lawlessness are coming, uh, you will not be protected against the violence and the insane rage and anger because it's already in your heart. We've got to clean up, folks. We really have got to clean up. This opened my eyes, you know. I thought, Whoa. You see? We have to be careful what we imagine. Because imagination is a link to the realm of the spirit. And some of you have heard me teach this before, but it's getting crucial now. That bridge between the soul and the spirit realm is the imagination. What you focus on, you'll connect with. See, if you come before the Lord and focus on all beholding him, you are what? Changed? Because the connection is made? How do you focus with your imagination? There's no other way you can focus. Right? You cannot think something without using your imagination. It's automatic. But we've not recognized it as a bridge that connects us to the realm of the spirit. Yeah. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind, in the Hebrew yetzer, which is the Hebrew word for imagination, is stayed on him. That's the use of the imagination. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind because once you focus that way, you see, you can come to the throne of God. If you can see the throne of God, if you can imagine that something, what the, the scripture talks about, the throne of God, and you can hold that, you will connect with it. You'll cross the bridge from this dimension to that dimension. That might be difficult to start with, but you'll get you very used to it. To me, I just got it. It's like that. 
it's, it's like, I can't explain it, it's like it's that easy for me to walk in that realm. Not because that I'm somebody, but because I've learned some things, which you have to learn. I will keep him in perfect peace. You're going to have to walk in peace in the days that lie ahead, believe you me. But you know, peace is one of the most powerful weapons you can have. The devil doesn't know what to do with peace. It confounds him totally. Demons cannot handle a person who's at peace. They can't hassle them. It's an incredible weapon. We have come, we've got to come to the place where we are walking in peace. Not anxiety, not fear, but peace. If you walk in peace, you're covered with a, a whole covering that nothing can penetrate. I will keep him in perfect, whose mind is stayed on him. You say, well, I don't know what the Lord looks like. Well, look, let's not get really religious. You've seen pictures of the Lord, right? That's good enough to start with. It's the heart thing, right? You're looking for the Lord, Lord. I know you'd something like this, so I'm coming to you. Imagine. Do you believe that Jesus said he will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you really believe that? Yes. How many times have you seen him with you this week? Now, do you really believe it? You know, awareness of that realm, you must develop awareness. And now, a lot's to do with the purity of heart. The clarity of it has to do with the purity of heart and mind emotions. I understand, you understand that, but it's a process. You see? When you get in your car and drive out in the morning, you should see the Lord next to you and start talking to him. After a while, he'll start talking back. It's a motive thing. Now your motive's got to be really clean. But to walk with the Lord, you see, you have a right to have access to your home where you came from. And God has made a way. So, you know, You need to develop it. You need to set your heart on walking with the Lord. You need to take the time, and it takes time, but you get, it gets easier as you go. And so this angel had taken me into many places, stuff that's happening around the world, scary places. There is something going down right now that hasn't been happening before. Leaders of the world are being warned, supernaturally, all around the world, even Putin. They're being warned. 
leaders are being warned because something is about to happen. And none of them will be able to come back to God and say, you never gave me a chance. Most of them will not repent. But there's a cut-off point, you know, coming. And it's a bit scary. And it, it will, it, it's going to, it will change things. For those who are walking with the Lord and moving on and have a right heart attitude, the goodness of the God, Lord is going to be released to them. But on the other side, in the nations, there's going to be chaos, both financially, among just the nations. It's already really started among the nations. It's time to walk with the Lord. If we put it off, you're going to miss out. It's time. He's given us time. Things are going to change. The stuff that God has talked about for years is going to start to unfold. And that involves many, many things. But tonight I want you to get to understand that we're now in a period, you know, of a change of time, timing in God. One of the things that this angel spoke to me about was about sowing and reaping. He took me to a place somewhere on the earth where I could watch people. It was all sped up, you know. People sow, say something and then reaping it. Imagining something, then reaping it. And I thought, well, well yeah, that's, we've, all, we've known that for a long time. But the angel said, no, look. It was coming back at such a, such a rapid pace. You know, sometimes we sow something and it takes years to come back, right? You know, we sow something and then finally the seeds sell, the pigeons come home to roost. But this was coming home within a week or two weeks three weeks and it was whatever they said came back to them multiplied it was the most scariest thing I have ever seen and when I came out of that I had it took me a whole day to recover from it I had to sit down and think God you see everything is being sped up the Bible says be not deceived God's not mocked what we sow we, are, we will reap this is a cause and effect. It's a law of God which affects the whole universe. Christians and non-Christians. Sowing and reaping. And I saw this was such... I saw people imagine stuff and I could actually see what they imagined. And within a week it happened. Big time, multiplied back to them. I saw people get angry. We got so angry at other people. <coughs> and within a week, the anger that came back from other people against them was a hundredfold more. This is the day we're living in now. We gotta keep sowing the right stuff. <laughs> you really do have to sow, because it's going to come back quickly. There isn't time now for years for this to happen, you see. 
Everything is being, the plowman is overtaking the reaper. And that's not just a harvest, that's in our sowing. So, we've got a mean business. We really do. We've got to be really careful what we sow out of here. Really careful, and we've got to thought our seeds. I mean, we sow them all the time. Since you came to this conference in the last two days, you've been sowing the whole time. Whether you're aware of it or not. And it's coming home. And I watched this angel and I said, you know, that, that is, I said this, that's the scariest thing I've seen. And um, he said it won't be changed. You know, stuff comes back 30 folds, 40 folds, 100 folds. You know, what you sow, we will reap. It's, that describes the way reality works, you know, and it, it's the law, it's a law. Something has changed, good and evil, and now in a state of acceleration. What you sow in good is going to come back real quick to you. Pooh. And it's an exciting thing, you know. Finance is going to become a major issue with Christians, a major test. Because it's where our security lies. You know, you know, we know that the American dollar is going to take a massive beating. Because the, uh, the euro dollar will come to an end. Actually, it's almost at an end that you know, the nations of the world had to buy oil in American dollars. Well, as the law was signed as in the law last week that that doesn't have to be anymore. You can pay it in rubles, you can pay it in Chinese, and a few other currencies. That will lower the value of the American dollar. But it's part of God's plan to bring this nation back to God. And it will do it. God will do it. And he won't. He's going to be ruthless because he sees the end result. He sees a brand new nation coming out of the ashes. And, you know, our dependency, everything we depend upon is going to be shaken so that our trust is in the living God. You know, if we don't do it our way, he'll do it his way. <laughs> you know? If we don't learn to trust him, he'll set up circumstances which force us to trust him. And, um, you know, once the paper money disappears, hello? It's not going to be around forever. And you have to have a chip to buy and sell. That's going to determine where your dependency lies. Because finance is the ultimate prop in our lives, and our dependence, who are we depending upon. When God removes that prop, whoa, now it's going to be exciting. See, this is what it's all about. That's what's about in your nation. You know, nation has gone away from God. The governments have gone away from God. And after so long a time without response, God says, end. Let the chastening, 
and disciplining of this nation begin. That's what he's saying. It's like a child, you know? Sometimes the last result is harsh discipline to turn them around. Same with God. It's out of his love, because he cares for America, that he's going to allow this to happen. He wants America back onto their destiny as a nation. But there's going to be civil wars in America. There's going to be riots like, you know, you would not believe. Culture of heaven is to give, it is not to receive. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive, right? One of the things that's going to rise is the Joseph Ministries, but it really needs cleaning up. Yes. It really does. I mean, some of the motives are scary stuff, you know, these guys, I'm a Joseph, it's no more Joseph than my big toe. <laughs> you know? The Joseph Ministries are going to rise, but it's all about storing food, not for yourself, but for others. Hoarding is not in the kingdom culture. It is not there. And you know, I, and I think, you know, there are going to be times when the, the power is going to be out across whole states in America. That's easy, like, that's said in one sentence, but the ramifications of that, there's no water, the water pumps are not working, The generators in the hospital run out of fuel. There's no fuel for your car because the pumps are not working. There's no power. You say, oh yeah, we've got to store fuel, and we've got to store food. That's fine, you can store food, and that's important. Good, if it won't be spoiled, and water, fresh water, it's an important thing. Solar panels are good. But in the final analysis, you're going to have neighbors next door to you who don't have anything. And you were there to feed them. And if you give away all that you've got, God will multiply it. God promises that. He promises it. And it's going to be, you know, in Lancaster, there's going to be warehouses full of, full of supplies and they run out because they're giving it away. And overnight, they'll be full the next morning. Yeah. The kingdom, the culture of heaven is to give. And it will return so rapidly and expand, become the greater, the turn is greater than what you gave. And you give more. See, Joseph was there to save many people alive. That was his role. It wasn't, you know, to save him alive and his little family that was in it, but his role was to save many people alive. And that's the role of the church in what's coming, to save many people alive. You feed them and give them the gospel, they're going to come to the Lord so quick. More blessed to give than to receive. Earthquakes, tsunamis, extreme weather. Cell phones are going to be down for weeks on end. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> you know when you go down the mall, you, you see people down the mall, they, they look really strange, you know? Because you walk down the mall, they're doing this. All of them. I mean, if you came from another planet out of space, you'd say, what are these people doing? I mean, I like technology, you know? I stay off things like Twitter and Facebook, and you wouldn't believe the lies people say about us. <laughs> you wouldn't believe them. I think, how do they dream it up, you know? I stay off that. And I'm not saying it's wrong for you, but I tell you what, you put sensitive data in the cloud that's on somebody else's computer. Eventually, you're going to lose it. It's going to be taken by the government. Anything sensitive data, you stick it on a thumb drive and put it in a hole in the garden. <laughs> you can use it to transfer stuff. We give people the... I'm not talking about, but don't put any sensitive, if you have full data, data, do not put it up. It's not up there, it's on, it's on somebody else's computer. Google's been hacked so many times. You know? Oh, it's going to be an exciting run. But you've got to develop a kingdom culture. You've got to study, you know, we don't have time to go through tonight, but you've got to study, you know, the Beatitudes. It's like June the 6th of this year, June the, yeah, June the 6th, I was quietly praying and I just was aware that this angel, when I had turned up behind me, so I turned to talk to him, and he looked at me and said, never come with me. So I found that unless I say, okay, nothing happens. But if I say, okay, I'm gone. So we were flying through time backwards. And I know this doesn't sound weird, but I don't care. I was aware of time ticking off and going backwards. And I thought, wow. And I said to this angel, I said, we have gone backwards, haven't we? And he didn't smile, never said anything. Um, and suddenly we came down at a place which was an old city, walled city. So over the walls and up onto a, uh, uh, it wasn't really a mountain, it was a high hill and came down. When I look back, it was the city of Jerusalem. But it wasn't in our time period. And so I thought, wow, what is this, Lord? What, what, what is this? Now I became aware of the Lord. And on the ground were a lot of stones on this, at this top of this mountain. It was a lot of stones. The Lord picked up a stone and gave it to me. And it melted into my hand. And I kept looking, but it's oh, oh, <laughs> gone, stone about this big, you know, just like a very large pebble. And um, I looked at this and I said to the, to the Lord, Lord, what, what is this about? What does this mean? And he looked right at me and he said, 
you learn what this means. And I was back at home. And I talked to Joe, my wife, about this, and we said, what does this mean? You know, we prayed and sought the Lord, and three days later, this angel went back again, and he was taking me back to the same place. But he stopped at one place, which looked like a rural area, um, where individual people were walking with staffs in their hands. There weren't groups of people, there were individual people. One person walked past me and just nodded at me. They had a staff in their hand and they were walking. A lot of these things you know, kind of are agrees and pictures of what God wants to convey. And so I looked at this and I said, Lord, what or who are these people? And he said this, these are those whom the world has lost its pull on. They are seeking for a walk with me in another realm. They are seeking for the city of God. They have been somewhat hidden, but will be revealed in this next phase. There are many people out there seeking God. And as a, it's a kind of a solitary walk, you know, because... And uh, I thought, whoa. I said, that, that, that really is interesting. Then we continued our journey. And I was back on the top of the mountain where I was three days before. This day there was a whole pile of stones, all like they'd fallen down from something. And um, I looked at these lying on the ground, and as I looked at these, scriptures start to come through my mind, one after the other. Have you, you had that, you know something? Just one after the other. And I thought, oh, there was a huge pile of stones. And, and the Lord said, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David and I will restore its ruins and the end time church, in the end time church it will be built. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because, you know, the scriptures talk about that. And the scriptures that poured through my mind um, were like Psalm 118, 22, the stone which the builders rejected, refused, became the head of the cornerstone. And I thought, yeah, true, Jesus is the cornerstone. And then they said, this is the Lord's doing, and it will be marvelous in his eyes. What God's about to do is going to be marvelous, I tell you. <laughs> Isaiah 28, 16, thus, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, then dawned on me. We were standing on the ancient Mount Zion. <laughs> That's what I was looking at the city. <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay. And I thought, hmm. Then First Peter 2, 5 and 2, 6, you also as lively stones are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth will not be confounded. And again in, in verse 7 of First Peter 2, verse 7, And unto therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them he, they are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected. And so... I said, Lord, 
what is this? He said, this church is in such a mess, I'm going to lay another foundation stone, a cornerstone, and I'm going to build my end time church upon that. I thought, wow. You know, the cornerstone, when you were building a building, the cornerstone had to be dead straight because every line of the building, up and down, longwise, was taken off the cornerstone. Now, if this cornerstone was not absolutely dead straight and up perfectly, the building would be out of kilter. And so I said, oh, Lord. And then the Lord looked at me. He said, Neville? Sometimes it calls me Neville, sometimes it calls me Ned. <laughs> he said, he, but this time he said, Neville? He said, tell the people the cornerstone are my words which I spoke which you have in the gospel. And he said, the church has departed from them. He said, everything in the epistles was built upon the words that I spoke. He said, you have to go back to the words that I spoke. You have to study them and you have to obey them. And this will be the foundation for the doctrine and every other foundation of the church which I will build in these end times. You have to go back to the words of Jesus. Epistles are good. All scripture is given, you know, and it's, it's profitable for the sound doctrine, all of this thing. But the sound doctrine is based on what Jesus taught. And it's built upon, and we must go back and look at what Jesus said. And most of it, a lot of it, is in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Wow. Didn't say blessed are those who win a hundred souls will inherit the earth. He said blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. They'll be in the millennium. You see, God's not going to empty the whole of heaven out at the second coming and take us all down to earth. There'll be nobody left in heaven. He said, those who overcome will rule and reign with me. Yes. You know? He said, everything he builds has got to be on what he taught. We need to go back. And we need to look at what Jesus taught. We need to go through the Gospels. You know, it would be a good thing. Go through the Gospels for another 12 months. Just go through the Gospels. Let them speak to you. Let them show you things. Let them bring, you know, understanding of that. We say, oh, you know, we want to get in the book of Revelation. The Revelation is a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's what he is like. It's how he does things. And so I was kind of stunned by all of this, you know. And I thought, well, you know, you know, we need to go back. You know, it said, you know, the, the Romans had a custom. If you weren't a Roman citizen, lived in Rome, 
the Romans had a custom that, that you, they could ask you to carry anything for a mile and you had to do it by law. So, you know, <laughs> well, the Jewish people, they hated the Romans because, you know, they were always loading them up with carrying stuff. But Jesus said, look, if they compel you to go a mile, go too. Bless them. That's kingdom culture. That's the difference. See? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What are you hungering for? Because whatever you're hungering for, you'll be filled. What are you really, what are the, really, what are your strong desires now? You need to take stock of that. You see, he responds, desire is a powerful magnet for good and bad, evil. It'll draw it to yourself. What are your strong desires? What do you want in these next few years? What do you want? What do you want to be like? Where are your desires? <coughs> oh, hallelujah. Blessed are those. The Sermon on the Mount, you know, is the basic qualities for living in the kingdom. There's a difference between the kingdom of heaven, you know, and the king, kingdom of God. And it's an eternal difference. There's certain things, he says, which cannot enter the kingdom, you know, but they can still get to heaven. There's a difference. You've got to be really careful. Um, the Bible, you know, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Man, we're not getting this right. This angel said to me, they are not getting it right. And I said, I know. <laughs> They're not getting it right. You're not clever enough to judge. You're just not clever enough to do it. Reminded me of this story. I had a friend who was a missionary in, in Africa in the 50s and up through that time. And he's, he was ministering in this village where this king, and the, you know, they'd become Christians, all of them, really, in this big village. And the king had, I think it was seven or eight wives. And so, you know, he was, he was stuck with this dilemma. Now, what did he say to this king? He said, all right, okay, he said, I tell you what, the first woman you married, you live with her and sleep with her, the rest you take care of, but not in that capacity. And she said, oh, that's, that's fine, but she said, um, you know, he said, you, you go to get, and then the chief said, so I have got to get rid of the other wives. He said, yes. All right, fine, he goes off. Comes back months later, the king is beaming, they're all Christians in the village. And he said, did you, you know, he said, I did what you said. He said, did what you said. He said, well, where are the other ones? And he said, oh, we ate them. <laughs> True story. 
another person personally. Now he's got a problem. <laughs> Not clever enough to judge this. How would you judge that? <laughs> he said, Lord, I put it all in your hands. <laughs> but the way on to be a great evangelistic tribe in that whole region. And the king was ahead of it. You know, David should have been stoned more than once by law. You see, the kingdom culture is, he that is without sin, let him do the judging. That settles it, doesn't it? And we're not saying people do things in the wrong and they have to be straightened out. It's not that. It's our attitude to the whole thing. You know? The church is not getting it right. Because if you judge, you're going to be judged. It'll come back on you. And it's coming back twice the speed. So we have to be very, very careful, you know? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the merciful they shall obtain mercy. If you're going to need mercy in the days that lie ahead, you better start being merciful now, because it's going to come back. You know, blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. You know, compassion is a very powerful thing. And, you know, Jesus didn't heal everyone he came across. You know, it's Sometimes he healed everyone that was there, but other times he just left people sick. I often wondered about that, you know. But anyway, it's like compassion. Without compassion, it's just good works. But compassion is different. And, you know, it's said over and over, Jesus saw the multitude, he had compassion and he healed them. Compassion is a feeling which, which oils the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, and we need to ask God for real God-given compassion. You know, because if you have compassion, that's a spiritual thing, and something's going to happen. In compassion, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. You see? Blessed. These things are blessed. Humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Humility is one of the greatest things you can have. You know? The meek. And her at the earth. Humility. Pride. That's the only thing I know in the Bible where I say God resists us. God resists the proud. I had this years ago and the person's dead now so I can talk about it but you won't know who it is. Uh, many, many, many years ago, this guy stole all of our manuals and copyrighted them, his, they, his name, and 
seldom, right? And he was well known, and, but he always had a look. You know pride has a look? Pride has a look. And so time went by, I thought, said the Lord, you know, we're not going to fight this. Let's let them have it. They're selling them. And it was all about material. I thought, oh, well, you know. Um, I didn't judge them. I prayed that God would bless them and all of that. But I happened to get on a plane, and he was on the plane. You see? And I thought, what do I do? And he looked at me, and I had that look of pride. And so, as we were getting off the plane, I said, bless you, brother. Bless you, bless you. But it was a look. Within 12 months, his whole face was eaten out with cancer. See, pride is the thing that attaches to your face. See? You cannot afford pride. God resists the proud. You know, it's really, really important. We can't, and you have to check yourself on this all the time. If God does anything through it, it's by the grace of God, nothing more. You know, and it's like, and pride quickly becomes a part of who we are. And it's so powerful, it etches its way into our face. But when you're clothed with humility, even the angels in heaven bow to you. So, getting late. Jesus said, come, learn of me, because I am meek and lowly. Hey, you know, who do we want to be like? Don't retaliate to people. Don't, there's no point to it. Don't retaliate and do you wrong. Bless them. Bless and curse not. Bless. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, Paul said, put on these things, mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Forbear with one another. Yeah, you have some people are hard to forbear with, you know, because they really get on your nerves. <laughs> Forbear. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> and above all, put on love, because that's the thing that cements it all together. So, you need to analyze your desires, what they are. Maybe prioritize them a bit, you know. And you need to realize that you have access to your home. You know, sometimes it's hard because you're dealing with other people's experiences. But, you know, sometimes when I get a thought, which I know is not from me, and if I'm in a place where it's quiet, if I lean into that thought, or what I mean lean into it is, is a, like pursue it in the sense of, well, what is that? You know, give it time often that turns into a vision. If I pursue the vision, that turns into seeing further into the realm of the spirit. But it started back here, you know? 
And we have to learn how to move into that until it becomes second nature to us, which it can do. And, and you can walk in that realm. You've got to give yourself time to be with the Lord. Time's only now for this, so you've got to give more time to be with the Lord. You have to discipline your life, you know? And uh, I remember my Sunday school teacher said, you've got to read through your Bible once a year. Read through a chapter, and I thought, well, this is so boring. <laughs> and my dad said to me, Neville, no, don't do that, do this. Just read your Bible until you feel God is speaking to you, and then stop. Well, I changed my life. I found it exciting after that. God's talking to me. You can do it. You can do it. You've got to f go with it. But it takes time. You've got to spend the time to be with the Lord. Some things are just a perception, dull, dim, but you know somebody's there. It's just a perception. Let's go with it, lean into it. It'll get clearer as you lean into it. It starts with just a perception, you know? And it's, it's, my wife's really good at perceptions. She'll say, Neville, somebody's in the house. I'll say, oh, no, not good. <laughs> Oh, she'll say, no, there's a snake in the bedroom. It's in the middle of the night, you know? And I'll say, oh, are you sure? It's <laughs> 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 a spirit, you know? We've had it quite But she's more perceptive in that area than I am. <laughs> and I think, oh, no, I've got to get up again. Lord. And it's like... You know, we do get visitors, <laughs> both sides. You know, if you see something at the corner of your eye move, don't do this. Because that's your natural eyes. Keep still and look sideways with your spirit. You'll pick it up. But if you look with your natural eyes, there's nothing there. Sometimes the pressure Air pressure in a room changes when angels come. You hear, but sometimes your ears are just not a bit. But you've got to learn. You've got to learn to walk with the Lord. You can do it. You know, it's, 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 everything is stirred up in the spirit. And we have never had so many snakes around our house, and I can remember, both real ones and spiritual. You know, my wife went out the other day to... She said, I'm going to clean the barbecue, and it's got a big hood on it. You lift it up, you know? And I heard, yeah! <laughs> she, when I, I hear the barbecue, they go, down, bang! <laughs> I thought, oh, no. Yeah, it's a six-foot-long python. <laughs> About this thick. In the barbecue. You know? But you know, sometimes these things carry spirits in them. See? 
And we were under attack on all sides from snakes. Some coming out of the ceiling into the bedroom, some into the veranda, then into the bedroom. And I said, I've had enough of this. You know, and we've got this now python in the barbecue. I thought, well, we can have python bar. Python burgers tonight. <laughs> but that would be cruel. <laughs> so I said to my wife, okay, I've got these big clippers which we lock off um, branches with, big long ones. So I said to my wife, now look, you stand outside the barbecue, I'm going to open it up. You distract it. <laughs> so I can come up from this side when it's looking at you and cut its head off. <laughs> she said, you distracted. <laughs> anyway, she was good. She kind of got a bit of clothes away. That thing, this thing turned to her. Uh, took its head right off. But that was a natural snake, but they often carry spirits, some of these things. And there's a perception, my wife has a perception which is very sharp. So it's perceive it, not necessarily see it, but you'll perceive it. Okay? That's a different thing again. And it, it's like, we have to learn to become sensitive to that whole thing, you know? Sensitive to the other realm. Learn to walk in it. Because it's your right, it's your home, it's where you came from, and you have access. You're an ambassador here only, and you should have a connection with your home base. And you can walk in that at different levels, you know, and I want to encourage you, because it's not, it, it's possible for you to walk at least some level in that realm and walk with God. And in the days that lie ahead are going to be so rough and so difficult you're going to have to have a connection with the Lord. And you're going to have to be able to, you know, walk in peace at all times, no matter what's going on. Now, that's going to be the hard one, because we become anxious, you know, and fear and anxiety and things, bad things are happening around. And, you know, if you walk, you've got to learn to come back into your sanctuary with the Lord until peace is developed within your heart again and you're coming to peace. You might have to do that a lot of times during the day until you conquer that thing and you're learning to walk in peace no matter what's going down around you. You must, you must learn to walk in it. We're on, t we're on a timeline now, which is running down very fast. Big, big changes are coming. America is not going to be the same America as you've known. There's going to be some really bad stuff happening across America, both with the, you know, in the natural climate and stuff, volcanoes, Volcanoes in places that haven't been volcanoes before. Earthquakes.
I know there's doctrine out there that says, you know, God doesn't do this. God says if you reap what you sow as a nation, you know. And sometimes the last option that God has is to make things so rough for you that you turn back to God as a nation. And you've reached that stage. I'm sorry, there's no way back out of it now. It's coming. This day of atonement coming up. Something closes on. And a new begins. The goodness and the severity of the Lord are coming together. You're going to need a lot of grace, so please be gracious to everybody. You're really going to need grace. You're reaping what you're sowing very rapidly now. These Sermon on the Mount, these beatitudes, these beautiful attitudes are essential for you to get through the next stage. One of the things that are really essential for you, you've got to be different kind of people. We all have. You've got to be different. And there's a Feast of Tabernacles unfolds after that. Another blood moon. I'll talk somewhere in the late in this week about blood moons, just a little, but there's another set of blood moons, tetrads coming up in Indian 2015. And you know, 2015 is going to be a very different year to this year. <laughs> Not even close to this year. That's the bad news. <laughs> but it's good news, really. Because God loves you enough to discipline the nation. He hasn't abandoned you. He's just given you a good smack to get your act together. For a, and the governments were going to be in chaos in this nation, absolute chaos. But it does get better. America has a destiny which is not, God has not forsaken that. And the destiny of this nation will be fulfilled. It's, it's a shame, it's a sorry that it had to go down this road. But it's the only option God has left. And this will also be sure in many other nations. But we're talking about America tonight. America was known as a godly nation. The peacekeeper of the world. She's lost her role. She's abdicated the role. And God has nothing, no other option to allow these things to happen. He could stop them, but he has no other option to allow these things to happen, you know. And it's a bit like Job, you know. Job went through some terrible things, but he came out in the end with twice as much as what he had at the beginning. A nation has a destiny.
but it's on a timeline now which cannot, I'm afraid, cannot be changed. The leaders of the world are all being visited, nation after nation after nation. And when that starts to happen, something big is going down. So, smile. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Yeah. 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 We'll talk more about this sometime later in the week and how we can respond and, you know, what it's really all about. But um, you've got to get through this next few years, that's all. God bless you. I want to uh, speak just for a minute for those who are watching online or if you're new here for the first time. You may have heard some things tonight that were different than what you're used to hearing. What we heard Neville say is that there's trouble, difficult times coming, and also good times. I want to say this. Second Chronicles 20 says, Believe the prophets and you'll prosper. And... Um, Jesus said, I, I like what he said, let's stick with the, the words in red. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. How many believe that's the truth? How many believe that before Jesus returns, there's going to be something similar to the days of Noah? Where there's, a, uh, there's judgments on the earth and there's righteous that are spared. Do you believe that? All right now that came from the lips of Jesus. What made the difference between Noah and the people that were swept away in the flood? Noah believed the prophetic, and the people in the flood didn't. In other words, it's, it's listening to the prophetic, the word of the Lord, that can navigate us through the days ahead. Now, if you believe his prophets, you'll prosper. And... Um, Unfortunately, much of the church, from what I can see, I would say the majority of the church in America does not list, doesn't even recognize prophets and doesn't listen to the prophets. God is speaking clearly through prophets. Many in the church think that because someone prophesies, they're a prophet. No, it means they have a gift of prophecy. There's a big difference. And um, now... If what Jesus said is true, and we know it's true, let me just back up. I just want to say this because I could hear people's thoughts while he was talking, even people watching. There's not one thing Neville said tonight that was unbiblical. There are things he said that you haven't heard before, but there's nothing he said that was contra-biblical. And I just want to add my two cents to it. I've known Neville for over a decade and watched him in my home, in the church, in every kind of a situation imaginable, I watched him manifest Christ. Manifest all the fruit of the Spirit. So he's not just talking, he has a walk with God. So, now we're in the days, we are in the days, how many believe we're in the days approaching the coming of the Son of God? We're close, we're in the last of the last days. 
So what Jesus said is true, as it was in the days of Noah, is true for us today. Now the judgments coming on the earth are motivated by the love of God. If God does not put an end to evil, he's not a good ruler. Because of the destruction of sin. So it's the love of God motivating him to intervene and start to dismantle the infrastructure of the Antichrist system. Now the judgment's coming. It depends on what our relationship with the prophetic word of the Lord. Depends on uh, how it affects us or our relationship with the Lord himself, right? I just want to say this. The same event that came on the whole earth in Noah's day, a flood, that same event that destroyed the wicked lifted Noah and his family. So we're not to fear what's coming. We're to fear God. If we fear God, we'll keep his commandments. If we fear God, we'll walk with God. If we fear God, we'll believe his prophets. And if, we, if we're rightly relating to the Lord, rightly responding, listening to the prophets, and um, we're going to be warned and prepared. God, listen, God said what he did to Noah so that Noah would build an ark so there'd be a place of safety. God's saying what he's saying to us so we would become the ark of his presence. That there would be a place of safety for, in the days of darkness. Anyway, I don't want to preach. I just want to say, I just want to say that was a good word. And I, I amen. I'm just trying to help people that I know are listening online. And some of you here even, they're maybe struggling with what you heard. Listen, we're hearing from the Lord. There's real prophets out there. If you listen to John Paul Jackson, you listen to Rick Joyner, you listen to Terry Bennett, you listen to Neville said to you, you're going to hear the Lord speaking through his prophets. And uh, thank God for the prophetic word of the Lord. Amen. And, and it is, it is going to be the best of days uh, for those who are walking with God and seeking the Lord. Amen. As I said uh, earlier, we want to receive love offering. I want to wait till tomorrow. If you're here only tonight and, or you're watching online and you want to give, I'm going to ask that you would. I'm just not going to receive an offering because I think almost everybody's going to be back tomorrow. Are you all going to be back tomorrow? Okay, some people would only come for tonight, and if you want to, there's an offering box in the back. Stand your feet, let's pray. We have the worship team come. Tomorrow morning we meet at 9.30, and um, intercessory prayer is next door, about, uh, about 50 feet over from the sanctuary. Intercessory prayer, we meet at 8.30, so we invite you to come in. We'll have some worship and intercession from 8.30 to 9.30. And uh, after you're dismissed tonight, uh, we invite you to go next door to the multipurpose room where you probably registered and uh, peruse through the book tables and get... Uh, any of the media there, books and uh. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing your servants here. Thank you, Lord, that we can gather in your presence and hear you talk to us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to receive with meekness your word. 
Lord, let your word take root in us and bear good fruit. Lord, we would become your ark. We would become your dwelling place. Lord, in the days of darkness, those are the days of Isaiah 60, where your glory shall rise and be seen upon your church. So, Lord, have your way in us and let your glory increase and grow. In the name of Jesus and all that agreed said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. You could, amen. We'll see you in the morning at 9.30 or 8.30 for prayer.